Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recovery Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started RecoveryYourSoul.net after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism and control addiction. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery and help others to transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions with me, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, subscribe and receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. I know that together... We can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to Recover Your Soul. Thank you for joining me today, and I am always honored and grateful that you are choosing to spend your time with me. So today I wanted to talk about self-compassion. I think this particular element, this particular tool in our soul recovery toolbox is so elemental and so special and so important in how we walk the earth. And that it can be so easy to look at somebody else who's having a hard time, who's in struggle, who is in self-doubt, who is in crisis, who is fallible, and see the humanness in them, and have compassion and tenderness for them, and want to give them the gift of suffering with them by letting them know how you see them. And yet, when it comes to ourselves, this is a lot harder to do. I know that so often I'll be present with somebody who is having heartache, who is having internal struggle. And I see the beauty of who they are. I feel the beauty of who they are. I see the trueness of their inner spirit and their inner light. And in those moments of doubt, they can't see it. And so I looked up what does compassion mean? And it's defined as sympathy, pity, and concern for the suffering and the misfortune of others. And in Latin, it actually means to suffer with, to suffer together. Now, we talk a lot in soul recovery about not actually suffering with somebody, but to have concern, to have empathy, to have sympathy for somebody is a key part of allowing people to be where they are. So how do we do that for ourselves? 
I know that along this path for me, I have had to really look at the concepts that I had about myself and the places where I allow my judge, as we've talked about in previous episodes, to speak loudly and negatively to me. And that those voices of the judge so often are these past voices from our upbringing, from our childhood, from our teachers, from our parents, from our friends that came to us and parroted how we needed to behave to be loved and accepted. So that ego structure in us is constantly trying to stay safe, trying to stay small, trying to keep us from being hurt. And so what it will do is it will come and it'll, it'll tell you that you're not doing something right, that you're less than, that you're not enough, that you're not worthy, that you messed it up, that you're not perfect. And as I said, you can be with somebody else who is in heartbreak and heartache and suffering, and you don't see a broken person who doesn't deserve love and compassion. You see somebody who deserves love and compassion. So how can we start to give that to ourselves? How can we look at the situations that we're in and be tender to ourselves and not allow that judge to come in and overtake us? In thinking about this topic, I did some internet research and I came across a website called selfcompassion.org by Kristen Neff. And I love that she picked these three ways to look at self-compassion. The first one that she did was self-kindness instead of self-judgment. And it's what I was just speaking on, that we can be kind and gentle to others, but it's hard for us to be kind and gentle to ourselves. And yet it's so important to not push down or ignore our pain, that we need to allow it to show us what we need to learn. We need to allow ourselves to be imperfect, to struggle. We need to be able to remind ourselves that this is part of being human. And I know this isn't always easy because we have these expectations, not only of ourselves, but of the world around us and how we want it to show up. And if you are any average normal person, you were given rules in your upbringing that told you what expectations needed to be met for you to be valued. And I hear time and time again stories about how coming home with an A was far more important than being somebody who maybe stood up for somebody in class or was willing to be creative and didn't find school to be that much fun. And they didn't get the same sort of feedback from their parents for being a champion of other people's hearts or being creative or wanting to sing or do music as they did for doing well scholarly. And so we learn early on that we have to behave a certain way. And so these expectations make it so that we're constantly angry and disappointed at ourselves for not meeting those levels of expectations for ourselves, And that is not compassionate. That's not self-compassion. That's self-judgment. And the internal judge is a voice that speaks to us so loudly at times. And it takes a new skill set to be able to observe those thoughts in our mind and realize that 
voice is not us. That voice isn't true. That voice doesn't need to be the loudest voice. That we can listen to that voice, but not take it all in. That everything we think isn't real. And so when we practice the self-kindness, the allowing ourselves to be human, the realization that we all mess up, that we all don't do it perfect, that as a matter of fact, doing it perfect isn't even possible. Because so often we can get caught up in perfection, and the truth is, it isn't who we are inside to live up to some unattainable standard. What is being perfect? What is having a perfect table or the perfect dinner or the perfect conversation or looking perfect or having a perfect meeting, doing the perfect project? When we are actually vulnerable, when we are accessing our feelings, when we are being true to our hearts, those are the moments when people connect the most. I know that since we've had the situation here in Louisville, Colorado with the fire, I find that the connections that I've had with people where people are genuinely coming from themselves with openness and vulnerability, people from our city government who have tenderness over doing all of the procedures right are the ones who are giving the most solace to the people who lost homes. And sometimes we get so caught up in being perfect, we forget to be kind. The next one that she lists is common humanity instead of isolation. And since we've had COVID, I think isolation is a real problem. I think that we tended to isolate before, but now that we have a reason to not connect as much, a reason to stay away, that for those of us who can get caught up in not wanting people in, it's been an even easier way to be in our own hemisphere, our own world, our own internal environment that doesn't have the feedback of our friends and family and coworkers around us to help keep us in check. And so when we're in this isolation, we can think we're the only ones who are suffering. We can treat ourselves as if we are the only ones who have fears, we're the only ones who didn't complete something, we're the only ones who procrastinate, we're the only ones who don't clean our house, we're the only ones who don't eat well, we're the only ones who don't exercise, we're the only ones who are in an addictive behavior. But when you connect more with people, when you are in common humanity, we can see that we're not alone. We can see that all humans suffer, that this is the human condition, that being fallible, being raw, being vulnerable, not doing everything right, not feeling perfectly right all the time, being in pain, being sad, being joyous, being excited. These are all aspects of humanity. And I know that what I loved about being in the 12-step program was it really felt like it was almost the beginning of me 
understanding that you could be surrounded by people that you maybe would never interact with otherwise. You wouldn't have been drawn to them in a social setting. You wouldn't have hung out with them at school. You wouldn't have been drawn to them at work to do things after work. But as you go around the room and people share their experience, strength, and hope, you become aware that we have a commonality, that they too suffered, that they too had a relapse, that they too are working on their communication with their family, that they too need tenderness to be able to work through their addictions. And when you look across the room at them, what you see is you see somebody who you know can make it if they're willing to work hard at it. And yet when it comes to us and it comes our turn to talk, it can be easy to be hard on ourselves. But then there's a switch that happens, I think, when you connect with people in that way, where you can see that they see you with that same level of compassion that you see when you look at them. And then that allows you to have compassion for yourself. It's so valuable to not allow yourself to feel alone. And I know for many people, isolation and loneliness is their way of life. And it's incredibly painful. It can be easy for someone like me who is an introvert, extrovert, to maybe say to somebody, well, why don't you join a intramural sports team or go do things that interest you? Because once you've walked down the path of isolation, it can be really hard to come back into society, into trusting, into having faith. But that's a form of self-compassion, is to be gentle with yourself in that process. And to be interested in reconnecting with others, be interested in allowing people in, be willing to allow people in. Be willing to see that there is always support if you find the group that fits for you, which is why I think it's so great that there's so many different recovery programs for all kinds of stuff. There's 12-step, there's different support groups, there's therapy groups, there's sports groups. There's so many ways for people to come together, religious organizations, Facebook groups. I know that since we've had the fire here in Louisville, the Facebook group for our town has been such a resource of people to feel like they can connect and share their story and offer each other hope. So whatever it is for you, that's a form of self-compassion is to be willing to reach out, be willing to receive love, and be willing to give that love so that it can be a circle. The third one that she has listed is mindfulness instead of identification. And mindfulness is non-judgmental. It's a receptive state of mind where you can observe thoughts and feelings as they are and not deny or suppress them. We can't ignore the pain we feel. But compassion allows us to be present with those feelings, to not judge them. If we can come from this mindful, non-judgmental state, it means that you can be in grief. It means that you can be in sorrow. It means you can be in heartache. It means that you can be in loss. And just 
be with it. I think we get so much attention to pulling up our bootstraps and just moving on, pull up your big boy panties and just keep going. And although I think that it's important to not go back and ruminate and ruminate and ruminate on the hurts and the sufferings and the things that happened in your life that were painful, if there is a need for it to flow through you, it's important that you allow it to flow through you because it has a purpose in doing that when we don't deny or suppress those feelings. And when we're mindful, we can see them in a different way. We're not identifying with them. We're observing them. We're allowing ourselves to notice them in a new way. Oh, I am feeling stressed. I can feel in my body that I have this tension in my body and I'm feeling anxious. I observing this anxiousness and just in being mindful and present with it, it'll relax. Or you can look at it a little bit differently and, and question, where is this anxiousness coming from? Oh, my life feels really unsettled right now. And that is scary. But when we don't identify with, I am an anxious person, I am, I have anxiety, I am diagnosed as anxiety and depressive. I am a depressed person versus I have depressive thoughts. My heart hurts sometimes. And then to be able to use that self-compassion to move into a place of connection with your higher power. What is your higher power telling you? How can you connect to that knowing and trusting that you are supported and you are loved and you're okay, even in the suffering? Just like how we do with friends, that we can be present with them and see them in the light and know that they're having a hard time and have the faith that this too shall pass and that if they can stay in the lightness even with the pain and even with the suffering, that there will be something that comes from this. There'll be learning that comes from this. There'll be awareness. Oftentimes the question is, what do I need to do for myself right now? Instead of labeling ourselves as quote unquote, having anxiety or being a depressed person or being an addict I think that so often we hold on to that label. I am fouled because I am an addict. I am an alcoholic. I had alcoholic behaviors and I drank alcoholically and I can never drink alcohol again. But I have worked hard to have a new life, to have a new way of being, to be self-compassionate to myself that I don't need to identify or label myself in that brokenness. I am healing. I am growing. I have learned. I have taken these hard times in my life, these missteps, these difficulties, and I've become stronger, more attuned to my higher power, more aware of where my shortcomings were. They were holding me back and more able to let them go. So in those moments when I'm having those thoughts having those hard times, feeling like I want to beat myself up. And I say, what can I do for myself? 
What self-care can I offer myself right now as if I was offering that care to a friend, as if I was offering that compassion to a friend? What do I need right now? And oftentimes when I really settle and I really come into that place of being willing to ask that question, it can be anything from, I need to talk to somebody who understands me, loves me, believes in me, and can just listen to what's happening in my mind. Or I need a bath. I need to be in warm water and just allow myself to completely relax. I need a walk. I need some food. I need some sleep. I know that for me, one of my things that I do is when I'm overwhelmed and it's just too much and my brain is on overload, I just need to rest and to allow myself to just turn off for the day so that I can stop the whip of my brain running round and round and round. And I love how since I've been doing this work and I wake up the next morning, I've trained myself to take that time in between waking and sleeping and have that be a moment where I'm in touch with both of those sides And then that's a time when I really try to connect with my heart. And I often will say a prayer. I often will say the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self so that I can better do your will. Take away my difficulties. The victory over them can bear witness to those I can help with your power and your love and your way of life. Or I might say an affirmative prayer like, I am so happy and grateful for this blessed day. I'm excited for what's to come today. I'm open. I'm receptive. I'm ready. And then when I step out of the bed, I'm in a state of mind that is open and receptive to the good of the day, regardless of what my day before was. Because every day, every moment is the opportunity to start anew. We spend so much time stuck in the past of how it felt yesterday or what was happening or the stresses or the relationships of what the patterns have been. And yet every day is the opportunity to be compassionate to ourselves of things that we may have done, behaviors we may have had, things that we said in a relationship, ways that we were to start fresh, to have a new way of connecting and being with somebody. I also loved that on the selfcompassion.org site, she talked about the two kinds of compassion that we can have for ourselves. One is kindness and strength, that these aspects of self-compassion have such important values to us, but they have different ways of helping us. Kindness is that inner healing, that accepting ourselves in all our human imperfection, loving ourselves as who we are in that moment, being open to growth and learning and transformation and seeing the things that happen in our life as a path to get there, that we sometimes have to go through these difficult times to move to a new place, to be willing to see the other side, to let go of that that doesn't serve us anymore, to reassure ourselves and connect to our higher power for care and tenderness, to be kind to ourselves to be present with our pain or our sadness or our suffering, just as we would a good friend. 
And then the other was strength, outer change. These are things such as taking steps to protect ourselves, motivating ourselves by taking action. We get those intuitive voices in our heads of things that have been given to us in our connection with higher power. And then we need to have the self-compassion, that strength to move forward with those steps to take the next right action. Choosing our happiness and needs over being subordinate to somebody else, which sometimes means saying no. Most of us are so channeled and so taught to say yes so that we'll be accepted. What if we took away the shoulds and don't do them unless it feels right for you? What if we could say no? What if we could actually allow ourselves to have boundaries and have that strength and self-compassion to be clear in our communication with people about what we need from them? Leaving unhealthy situations or, unre- or relationships if needed. And also being able to say yes in times when we normally wouldn't, to have the strength to say, that is scary to me, but I'm going to say yes. That's outside of my norm of something that I would do in my comfort level. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to have self-compassion in the strength of knowing that I can handle the next thing. I can learn the next thing. I can strive and achieve the next level for myself. Treat yourself as you would your best friend. Be kind to yourself as you would your best friend. Be your internal best friend. When we have the self-compassion for ourselves and we have this kindness and strength, we can be kinder and stronger for the people around us. We can let go of the need to control. We can be present with what is. We can be gentle to ourselves and others. But just like on the airplane where you're supposed to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help anybody else, self-compassion is how you put your spiritual oxygen mask on yourself. It's essential for soul recovery. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode offered you some tools and guidance and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. When you are ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions with some support. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self. Go to the website, recoveryoursoul.net, and there you can find out more about me, book your coaching or spiritual counseling session, subscribe to receive our email updates, listen to some of my music. I have some originals and I've had various bands over the years. You can also read the blog that includes stories and insights from the Recover Your Soul community. I want to thank you for supporting the production of this podcast. Every single donation makes such a big difference. And you can donate on the homepage of the website. Also, by following, subscribing, reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. I hope that you'll follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and even join the private Facebook group and become part of our transformation community. Share who you are. Share where you're from. Share your story. Let's all connect. Until next time, namaste.
The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.